And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with me today is Pastor Ben Miller, pastor of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church on Long Island. And Ben, it's great to have you with us today. I'm very glad to be back, Dan. Thank you. Well, Ben, um, I seem to recall that um, some time ago I, I, I learned about you and uh, in a previous life, <laughs> you had trained to be a lawyer. Yes. Um, so today we're going to be talking about, not that, we're going to be talking about marriage. But I'm really interested, and our listeners may be interested, um, how is it that you got called to the ministry? I, here you are trained to be a lawyer. <laughs> well, I grew up in a um, in a church context where there was a lot of confusion and um and that confusion was actually very damaging to me and to my family. And um, so um, over the years, as the Lord began to sort of straighten out my theology and just give me a, a more biblical understanding of who he is and uh, how his grace works and um, and all of that, uh, that was happening the same time I was in law school. And um, I, I loved the law. Uh, in retrospect, I think I had somewhat idealistic notions of what being a lawyer was about, you know, these grand ideas of justice and civil order and, uh, you know, bringing the, the, really bringing the law of God into the public square and all of that. <laughs> some of that had to be chastened with some realism, I guess. Um, sure. But as I was working my way through law school and, and passing the bar exam and all of that, I just began to have a deeper and deeper hunger to take the truths about God that I was learning uh, theologically and, and help people just help them not become ensnared in false doctrine and, you know, be victimized by false teachers and so on. And so um, uh, by the time I finished law school, I was already experiencing what I now know is uh, kind of those internal promptings of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we call an internal call to the ministry, and, and then some later external confirmations came, and one thing led to another. But uh, it's interesting, in, in the ministry, I'd have to say, not one minute of my legal training has been wasted. Um, mm. It taught me so much about... Um, it taught me a lot about structuring thinking, about communicating. It taught me an awful lot. Many of the things I studied... Interestingly, many of the things I studied in, in, in the law, I now find myself studying again as a minister mm. about you know the relationship of creation and redemption and uh, law and gospel and many other things. So, um, you know, I'm thankful to the Lord for those years and hope to continue to use them. To me, it's just uh, it's just delightful how the Lord has worked and uh, um, providentially brought you through this, and uh, it's it's been to the benefit of the Christian ministry. This 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 former training. Yes. Um, well, today we want to talk about uh, marriage, and um, it's something that we hear a lot about. Um, what, no matter what um, newscast you tune into, whatever your choice of newscasts are in the evening. It seems like the the question of marriage comes up a lot. Yeah. And and um, what I'm interested in, I think what our listeners are really interested in, is back away from all that rhetoric and going back and forth and say, wait a minute, let's slow down here. What does God say about marriage? And I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if we can kind of approach it that way today and, and really talk about this this thing of marriage. Yeah. Well, it's a big topic. Um I uh, am preaching currently through the book of Genesis, so I've had the opportunity recently to spend a lot of time thinking about uh, what God was doing there in those early days of the world when he uh, created marriage. And um, 
I mean, where do you begin? I think one of the things that we have to begin to, to move back to if we're going to understand marriage is, um, is gender. <laughs> um, God made man male and female. And uh, one of the things that I've been thinking quite a bit about, in Genesis, of course, God starts dividing things. He's a God who likes division. He divides the heaven from the earth. He divides the water from the land. He divides humankind into male and female. He's a God who likes difference. He likes otherness. He's not a God who makes everything the same. And I think that uh, one of the the, uh, real problems in, in modern thought about humanity is that we, it seems like there's an increasing movement to try to make men and women interchangeable entirely, uh, where there is no, every every thing that a man is, a woman can also be, and vice versa. And the glory of God's making us male and female is that with full equality before God, with um, with absolutely equal value before God, with equal dignity, we're men and women are made in, in God's image and um, and all of that. There's no subjugation of one gender to the other, anything like that. But at the same time, there is real God-created, God-ordained difference. And marriage is a place where those differences uh, are particularly exemplified. And um, God makes and a woman, and then he makes them one flesh in marriage. And so I, I just think one place we need to begin right out of the gate is with understanding that God actually loves diversity. <laughs> and for all the talk in the modern world about you know being pro-diversity and, and all that, I actually think the modern world is becoming le- more and more opposed to, to diversity um, mm-hmm. because we're trying to make everything interchangeable in certain ways. And I just think that's a, a huge mistake and actually uh, really reduces the, the glory of of humanness. So I don't know if that's the best place to start, but that's one thing that immediately comes to mind. We need to get back to some of those discussions before we really can understand what marriage is, is all about. Mm, yes. And um, I'm glad you're going taking this back all the way to creation. Uh, yep. that, that That's a nice level set. <laughs> <laughs> so so here here's God. He makes man in his own image. And so man is distinct from the yep. animals. And it seems that he gives. I love your what you're saying here that that there's differences, and God God really glories in this, and yeah. and it's not a cookie cutter approach. Exactly. Uh, um, and so there's function. Can you help us peel the onion a little bit more now? Uh, um, there's Adam and Eve. Of course, sin enters the world, um, and then we have the first family. Uh, yeah, help us here. Huh. Well, yeah, <laughs> still a very. <laughs> Very big and in some ways unwieldy, uh, you know, topic. Uh, there's a lot going on. Um, I think something. I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb here and 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 um, offer something that that I realize. It, I'm offering this for discussion. Um, God makes man and gives him the job of tending and guarding Eden, this garden um, that God makes, and He creates Eve because man not good for him to be alone, and God creates Eve as a helper to Adam. And one of the things that I think that that illustrates very early on, long before you get to anything that's said later in Scripture about 
the husband uh, being the head of the wife or, or those you know, those New Testament phrases that create such consternation for, for people. Um, you have this picture of Adam being given, particularly as a man, being given a task to do in the world, and the woman being given to him to be his helper. And, and I love one of the things that, I forget who said it, an old Puritan writer, I think, said, uh, God did not make the woman out of man's head to, to dominate him or out of his feet for him to dominate. He made her from his side, from his rib, to be at his side as an equal and a helper. Amen. And yet there is also this uh, this sense that God gave man uh, a mission and a task and work to do in the field, that the woman was created to be a helper to him. And I think one of the things that I can personally testify as a married man is very, very beautiful, is when a man in a marriage, as a man, takes up God's calling on his life, and his wife supports him and, and, and aids him and actually enables him to do it. Uh, you, you get the impression from Genesis that Adam could not do what God had called him to do alone. Mm. Not good on multiple levels for him to be alone. And, and Eve is his helper. And yet there is a kind of, of leadership right away in the sense that God gave the man this calling. And the wife is coming alongside of him in that calling to, to do it together. And yet there is a kind of initiative on the part of the man that God has called me to this and, and let's do it together. And I think that I think that uh, that begins to set up some of these uh, initial big pieces of, of how men and women do have different roles in marriage. Again, not in any way of one dominating the other or whatever, but, but that there's a, a clear uh, manliness that emerges in doing what God has called you to do and a, and a beautiful womanliness that emerges in a woman helping her husband to do that. I know all this you know, can create a lot of reaction, but I think it is there. And it's something we need to uh, recognize as something deeply good because God has has made marriages to work this way. Mm-hmm. Well, I like that concept. That's a biblical concept, and that is that really Adam could not have performed his calling without his wife. She yeah. she truly, uh, as a helper, uh, it's it's much more than our common usage of the word helper. Perhaps today enables enables him to yeah. fulfill his calling, and it's a. It's a godly, it's a wonderful calling. Yeah, there is a lot to talk about here. Today we're talking about marriage, and, and we got into this mentioning that uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of hype going on today and, you know, redefinition of marriage and all that. So we've, we've kind of gone back to the very beginning, and we're talking here with Pastor Ben Miller of the OPC Church on Long Island. May I say something else about how Genesis 3 affects all of this? Oh, please. Well, it's interesting to notice after the fall that uh, when God is announcing his judgment on Adam and Eve that he talks about how their sin is going to affect their relationship. And there's that um, phrase that a lot of inks and spilled interpreting it, but that he tells uh, the woman, your desire will be your husband and he will rule over you. Um, and it seems that suddenly here in this new context where both Adam and Eve in their own ways are grasping at Godhood and refusing to submit themselves to the lordship of God. The way that expresses itself in their relationship is that they each want to sort of be God over the other. And I think one of the horrible things about... Um, I'll be careful here, but one of the things about the uh, feminist ideology I think has been just terrible uh, for 
marriage and, and many other things has been that it, it largely defines the relationship between the sexes in terms of power instead of in terms of love. Mm. And once, once the, the question is framed in terms of men and women sort of having power over against one another, instead of how men and women, particularly in the context of marriage, can give their lives for each other and serve each other and, and mutually submit to one another, as Paul says, um, I think you've already got the whole thing on the wrong playing field. Um, and at that point, it doesn't seem to me it makes a great deal of difference whether it's men subjugating women or women subjugating men. It's just all wrong. It's just <laughs> it's exactly what will not it's exactly what God did not intend to happen, as He intended both Adam and Eve to love and cherish and serve one another under His sovereignty. But you know where there, there, nature abhors a vacuum, and where we attempt to throw God aside, something's going to fill His shoes, as it were, or mm. tend to fill His shoes, and and. You know, as I, as I counsel many marriages, what I see just unraveling them is these very subtle ways, many of us don't even recognize in ourselves, that we just really want our will to be done on earth as it is in our heads. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, playing God with respect to one another. And I think that is probably the, the chief thing that just eats the, the life oh, out of Yes, me. yes. I've opened my Bible here to chapter 3. You're quoting some from that. And there is so much to talk about. I, I'm wondering if you can also... While we're there in that chapter, can you comment about the enmity that's mentioned in verse 15, yep. chapter 3, verse 15? Maybe you can read that, and what is that talking about? Well, God is, in chapter 3, verse 15, he's talking to the serpent, um, who's deceived Adam and Eve, and he says to the serpent, I'll, I myself will impose, um, I'll put enmity between um, you and the woman between your offspring and her offspring, he, a particular seed of the woman, will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. Um, this is what many theologians, I think, rightly have called the proto-evangelion, the, uh, you know, the original gospel promise. And um, it, there are these two lines of seed that, that emerge from that uh, early uh, episode of, of sin, where there will be a line of humanity who, uh, who will follow follow Eve and Adam in believing in the promised Messiah to come. However, uh, however minimal their knowledge may have been, they understood that some something was going on there with that promise of one who would bruise the serpent's head. Um, and then there were those who would live in rebellion against God, very much uh, following the sin of our first parents. And uh, and then the, these these two lines as he culminate in this climactic encounter between. Uh, the, we now know is the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and, mm-hmm. and the serpent on the on the cross and the resurrection. Um, and this, of course, really introduces uh, the generational aspect of marriage, that uh, God intended marriages to be fruitful and to multiply and to produce seed, and um, that becomes even more important in, in, in when you begin to consider that there are generations of those who hate God and generations of those who love Him. And, mm. you know, this begins to quickly get us into some very interesting things later in the book of Genesis as these lines emerge in uh, very concrete form uh, in the, in the uh, generations of, of uh, Noah and Abraham and so on. Is that kind of where you were wanting to go with this? Oh, definitely, yes. Yeah. And um, it's wonderful hope, really, that, that comes in at verse 15 also, yeah. that it's really... Uh, I guess the first proclamation of the good news. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just so encouraging because you kind of see things falling apart here, yeah. and you realize, whoa, wait a minute, what's happening? And then 
God speaks a, a wonderful promise. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Without and see, right, and 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 his promise, among other things, it seems to me, is that there he himself is imposing enmity between the seed of the woman and the serpent, which means he is taking the side of the serpent is his enemy, which means yes. putting this enmity in place. He's taking the side of the woman's seed, and you know, this, there's this just astonishing act of grace where the one who has just been infinitely offended by our sin, right. against whom we have rebelled with a high hand, is now suddenly reaching over and taking us to his side and saying, these will be my people. I will rule over them in grace and righteousness. And there's hope that not only our relationship then with this God, but with one another might, uh, you know, the fracturing might be healed. And, and that's mm. just, everything flows out of that. <laughs> yes. Today we're talking about marriage, and we've uh, started to just look at a few verses of Scripture here in the very beginning book of the Bible, Genesis. And uh, on the phone line with me today is Pastor Ben Miller. Ben, we have maybe, I don't know, maybe about eight minutes to go yet um, before the end of the program. Can you help us understand marriage more from God's perspective as we talk about it today? Well, let me uh, move to something we've sort of hinted at. Um, One of the things that I've noticed as I've preached through Old Testament narrative is that the people in the Old Testament who live well for God are the people who have a deep sense of how what I call their little micro-stories fit into this macro-story of God's overall plans and purposes for his creatures and for his world. And I I just think it's almost impossible to overstate how how different lives are depending on whether they've got that perspective. And you can see it in the lives of Esau and Jacob, just to give one of many examples. Uh, Jacob, whatever his faults might be, at least grasps the importance of God's covenant with the seed of Abraham. Esau is willing to sell it all for a bowl of soup. (laughs) You know, there's just this unbelievable lack of perspective. Well, it is very believable lack of perspective. We all struggle with it. And one of the things that I think uh, this has to do with marriage is that flourishing marriages, I believe, always are those that have a deep sense of fitting into a progression of generations. My wife and I came from parents. That biological relationship is what gave us life. (laughs) And we inherit the legacy of our fathers, and we bring that into marriage. I came into marriage as a miller, and my wife came into marriage as a rhymers. And we not only have all these generations before us that have made our life and our life together possible, but we are then part of this generation which is flowing out in future generations, we have four children. We have no idea how many grandchildren, great-grandchildren, maybe a thousand generations God might give us. Mm. And I think that, that that perspective of where we as a family and as a marriage have come from and what's to flow out of this marriage, I mean, it just has a very... It has so much to do, I think, with how you approach being married, where it's not just all about you and your feelings for each other and you know, how much bliss you can give each other till you die. It's about much more. It's about receiving something from our fathers and passing it on to our children. I think this I think this actually even is important when it comes to the sexual union of marriage. There is this deep sense of sexuality is procreative. Mm-hmm. We both came as man and wife from a, from sexual unions of our parents and we in our sexual unions are you know, part of the purpose of sexuality is to produce 
seed, and, and I think all, all of that creates a purposefulness about marriage and married life that's so different from just the get as much pleasure out of the other person as you possibly can in the shortest amount of time as you possibly can mentality that, that seems to prevail in our, in our thinking about sex and relationships today. I think that needs to be something we talk about a lot in the church. Mm, mm. It almost uh, takes us back to an earlier time in Genesis where uh, God blesses um, them, it says, and, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the oh, yeah. earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Uh, it reminds me how that today we tend to uh, worship uh, animals more than yeah. the Creator. I mean, I, I, yeah. I know I'm jumping to a conclusion, but I, I see that. It, it's just so obvious yeah. where we lift up an animal and, and worship it rather than God, and thereby we, we, we decrease the value of the human being who's made yeah. in the image of God. Um, yes. I, I wonder... Um, Someone might say, and I'm sorry I'm jumping around, Pastor Miller. Oh, so, somebody might, <laughs> might say, uh, well, since the curse, everything's going to pot, da-da-da-da-da. You just read uh, Genesis one twenty eight, and and the this dominion mandate. All that's canceled now that sin has entered the world. How would you answer that concern that someone might have? Well, this is another whole broadcast, I suppose. I mean, number one, I'd <laughs> want to say, it seems to me that God, when, when he uh, reestablishes human society with Noah after the flood, he gives very similar language about being fruitful and multiplying. Uh, yes. And uh, so it seems to me that, number one, we need to be very clear, that original program has not been canceled. Whatever form it takes later in Scripture, it's still there. Yes. Um, it's still God's purpose for humankind. Okay. And, you know, this, this when it comes to marriages, particular marriages with, with particular uh, husbands and wives and children, I think this gets us very quickly into... Um, you know, the question of, of, of loving children and raising them to be those who can relate with God, relate with yes. the human community, and relate with the, the lower creation, the, the stuff of, of the natural world, uh, with a deep sense of purpose. And I, I know we've only got about three minutes left, but uh, now, now you've got me thinking about something. Um, here's my bias. Let me just share my bias. Um, Christian couple, they have children, and because we believe in the sovereignty of God, we believe that, wait a minute, there's a, there's a reason why God gave me this particular child yes. into my family. And so I am going to treat this child as a little Christian, yes. and I'm going to train him, her, nurture him, her, and and have her partake of all the benefits of, of a Christian home, a Christian society. And I wouldn't necessarily assume that about other children in the world but there's something unique about the Christian home. Absolutely there is. Um, you know, from the very beginning, God made man to be his stewards, and that means that everything he owns, you know, but he gives it to us to, to steward. And that is certainly true of children. They are, mm. they are the Lord's, and he gives them to us. One of the things I find so beautiful in the New Testament is when God is talking to the disciples of Jesus in the epistles, and he's saying, usually early in the epistle, you have all this glorious stuff, but this is what Jesus has done to save all of you in the church. Then he breaks it down into specific categories of disciples. Now you fathers, and you mothers, and you, and you husbands, mm-hmm. and you wives, and you children, and you servants, and you <laughs> masters. And, you know, they're all treated as disciples. They all belong to him. Yeah. And, you know, when he gives you a, a child as a parent in, in the church, you're, you are stewarding a disciple of Jesus. And yeah. that, that just changes everything. And, and my basic setting as a parent, Christian parent, is that 
I hope I, I don't sound too bold here, but that it's this. You will profess the faith. <laughs> <laughs> of course you will, because you're the we Lord. will train them. Oh. We will, yeah, the Lord has given me this child. Yeah. And so we train him, we pray with him, her, and, and we raise him in the Christian faith, and we look forward to when they sincerely confess the faith and they understand what they're talking about. Hey, we're out of time already for our okay. discussion today. How about a quick summary about marriage, and then we just need to have you back at a, at a future setting. I mean, bottom line, God, you know, created marriage to be between a man and a woman under His lordship, fruitful and uh, and, uh, and and taking dominion in the world for His glory. And it's something we need to talk all the time about these days is that you know we have the only uh, you know we have the Creator's word on this. We need to be open about it. Mm. You know, um, I want to add this too. I'm hearing good things about your church down there because uh, my son Stephen and, and daughter-in-law Minley are attending your church, and I. I I'm sure there's other churches, but I can I can attest, you know, this church that, that God is using you in is very friendly to young Christian families. And where can they f- look you up and find you there on Long Island? If, if Maybe there's a family listening today that would like to, to visit you uh, some Sunday morning. Well, simplest thing is call my study number, 631-629-4528, or you can look at our website, trinitychurchlongisland.com, and we welcome people to come and visit us. We'd love to have you for lunch and just talk with you and get to know you and and it'd be an honor to have you be a part of our worship so okay good and one more time that phone number that's 631-629-4528 that's my study number i'd love to chat with anyone who would like to call and come visit us god bless you pastor ben miller from trinity church on long island it's been a pleasure having you on the air today thank you dan good to be here And, dear listener, you can check out uh, Redeemer Broadcasting online, where this broadcast is posted as a podcast. Just visit RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Quick reminder, please join us next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. God the Spirit, we adore Thee in the triune Godhead one.